Welcome to Golf Industry Guru and the Gig Podcast, where we interview the best and brightest golf and hospitality leaders on the planet. On today's episode, you will learn some proven real-world solutions that'll help you and your team solve some of your biggest golf business challenges. So stick around for some tips, tools, and training to get you, your people, and your business powered on. Here's your host, Scott Massey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Massey. And on this episode, we're going to explore the power of inclusivity in the business of golf. We're going to talk about why it's important for a club to embrace inclusivity in 2023. We're going to learn about some of the ways that a club can do that. And we'll also discuss what the benefits to a club can be when they embrace inclusivity. In today's diverse society, it's essential for clubs to create an environment where all individuals, regardless of their abilities, feel welcomed and valued. So to do that, we have two incredible guests joining us today. First up, we have Todd Kirstead, founder of Paragolf Canada. Todd's a longstanding PGA member. And Paragolf Canada is an organization dedicated to promoting inclusivity in golf. Welcome, Todd. Welcome to the Gig Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. No, it's uh, it's great to connect with you again. You've been a, a really great supporter of Gig. We really appreciate that. So it's awesome to have you back as a guest today. Um, you know, real quick, right off the top, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and Paragolf Canada uh, before we bring Jeremy into the conversation and introduce him to our audience as well. So Paragolf Canada, it's a groundbreaking initiative that is creating pathways for individuals of all abilities to advance really in the sport of golf. Um, historically, you know, these individuals have been underrepresented in the game and we're trying to create a community. Um, we're trying to create an environment that empowers, that it challenges, that inspires and encourages individuals to strive to achieve their own goals and really live life to the fullest, regardless of their ability, utilizing the sport of golf. No, it's awesome. I, I'm really interested in the work that you're doing and, you know, we've obviously had a chance to learn a little bit about it so far, but, you know, very keen to dive a little deeper today. And I know we're going to get the chance to do that. Uh, for our audience, we also have Jeremy McRae, the general manager at Bayview Golf and Country Club, just outside of Toronto, Canada, uh, joining us today, a club that actively supports the initiatives of Paragolf Canada. So Jeremy, welcome to the gig podcast. And like Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Bayview. Uh, interested to hear about your career path, which, you know, today finds you running one of Canada's top private clubs. So uh, welcome and, and uh, please introduce yourself to our audience for the first time. Well, thank you. Uh, pleasure to join you gentlemen today and uh, look forward to the podcast today. Um, as I said, currently I'm uh, general manager, chief operating officer at Baby Golf and Country Club. I started here, uh, I believe, back in January of 2021. Um, and pretty much for my entire career, I've been involved in the in the private club landscape in some way, shape or form, uh, save for a couple of years where I uh, managed a casino um, back in, in my Windsor days. But um, um, starting, you know, as, as a lot of people kind of caddying and shining shoes and scrubbing toilets and uh, kind of working in, in private clubs, especially through university as well, uh, uh, when I was back in Windsor. Um, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to Michigan and, and work in the golf industry there for a little bit before coming back to Ontario and eventually moving here to Toronto. And uh, um, started at Brampton Golf Club, was uh, was my first destination here in the GTA, then then eventually Dundas Valley, um, Brantford Golf and Country Club, uh, then on to Weston and eventually here. Amazing. Well, those are 
all great properties, no question about it. And and uh, we're definitely looking forward to learning more about Bayview today as we chat. So, um, Todd, let's start with you. We uh, we've got some great questions for today that we want to go through. And, and I guess really off the top, we just we're hoping you could tell us a little bit more about Paragolf Canada's mission and how you're working towards promoting inclusivity in golf. Well, really, the goal is to help any and all individuals with disabilities become actively engaged in the social structure of their community. Uh, A lot of people, whether they were born with a disability or recently acquired a disability, a lot of them don't think they could ever either play the game of golf or continue with their golfing journey. So what I'm trying to do is, is... A, let them know that they're not alone. There's individuals in the same situation that they're in, but also change the mindset of the individuals from I can't to I can. Um, The game of adaptive golf really goes from anywhere from, you know, playing nine holes, playing 18 holes. It could be just going out onto a driving range with, you know, somebody that recently acquired a stroke. And it may be they want to hit one more golf ball with their grandson or granddaughter and giving them the tools to do it. Um, utilizing the game of golf as a form of therapy, talking with with healthcare professionals and showing them that, you know, instead of having somebody on a table and doing stretching exercises, you can actually incorporate the the movements of the golf swing into their rehabilitation and into their therapy. So it's it's utilizing the game of golf in, in all forms and but just raising awareness and letting people know that due to whatever situation that they're in, golf is still a playable sport. The great thing about the game of golf is it already comes with its own handicap system where, you know, we can all compete in the same playing field. And, you know, you can't do that with other sports. You can't move the home run wall in uh, for each batter that comes up, or you can't drop the, um, the, the basket on a basketball court. But yet in golf, we can, we can play from different tee decks. We can, you know, give strokes and make it so it's a, a competition and a fair competition where where people can feel like they're playing on the same playing field. Yeah, I love that. Those are really great analogies and just shows how well suited golf is for the work that you're doing. You know, it's the perfect forum for you know creating this environment for these individuals. It's that's really well said. Jeremy, as the GM COO at Bayview, um, how is supporting the initiatives and programming of Paragolf Canada? impacted your club you know your workplace culture and i think the overall club experience for your members i'm really interested in hearing more about that and i think our audiences too um you know the first thing that came to mind uh with that was um it has almost really instilled a bit of pride um uh, both on the on the member side as well as as the uh as the employee side so um, you know, we all look at our organizations, we look at what are the, some of the things that, that we could do to help support and certain initiatives, um, and whatever they happen to be. And, but I think there's always a sense of pride when you know you're doing something good, you're, you're giving back and, and all that kind of stuff. And for, from both the staff standpoint and the member standpoint, I think aligning ourselves and, and connecting ourselves with, with Paragolf Canada is something of, of a pride factor. And, and, you know, when we've, we've been fortunate enough to host one event, we have another event coming up this, this summer. Um, uh, there is a sense of pride, uh, that you can see from the members who from, from many of them never knew in some cases that we were hosting this event. Um, and, and from the staff as well. And I think, um, 
um, when you when you have these events and you see, as Todd uh, spoke about with with a number of these athletes, you know the challenges that they're overcoming and whatever their story happens to be and the tools that he's providing them, um, you know, for us just to be kind of the vehicle, uh, we're the host, we're the canvas uh, that provides them that opportunity to to do with um, you know play their sport and and participate. And, uh, uh, you know, so to be part of that journey, to be, to be part of, uh, of helping them. And, and as Todd said, building that community, um, just to be a small part of that, uh, really builds that sense of pride amongst our, our membership and our staff, knowing that, Hey, we're, we're playing a small part here, um, and making a difference in, in some lives. And that's, that's important in today's society. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. How, how intimately involved do the members and the team members of the club get involved in these events? I mean, obviously part of it is providing access to the club and the golf course, but maybe just real quickly dive a little bit deeper on how intimately involved the team members and the members of the, of the club actually get with the, the event. Yeah. Um, for the members very intimately involved because it actually is, uh, um, a shotgun event, uh, where, where we, where we place, um, all of the, the para golf athletes, we place them in groups, uh, scattered amongst our membership. So it's not just the, uh, the athletes themselves playing in their groups and, and going out and, and just joining. It is, you know, one or two athletes in every group with every member and, Amazing. uh, you know, pairing it up and, um, and again, you know, you, t- you talk about uh, your previous questions and, and some of that change, but to then hear the stories, uh, you know, from the members, uh, you know, days afterward, oh, Jeremy, you know, I, I played with Bill and, and, you know, this was a story and, and this is what he has done and overcome. He's such a uh, great gentleman, person and all this kind of stuff. And, um, um, it, you know, it's, it's amazing how just that, that interaction, we talk about the game of golf and it, and it does so much, uh, but that ability to spend four hours on the golf course, um, um, and, you know, I, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but it really starts to normalize, um, you know, these interactions. And, and I think that, um, once our members can, can get to know these people on a much more personal level, um, it, it, it changes that relationship. It changes that perception, um, which then again, I, I think that changes how the involvement is and uh, as well. So, and our staff, uh, our, our team members here, uh, they get to play excellent hosts. Uh, and they love it. So well said, uh, Todd, next question for you. I know that, um, there can sometimes be some challenges that come with, you know, creating a pathway for, you know, individuals of all abilities participating in golf. And so, you know, what are some of those challenges been and, you know, how as club managers, can we be a part of solving some of those challenges going forward? Honestly, it's, it's really the fear of the unknown. Um, you know the golf course when when they when when they see somebody with a disability come on their property. You know the first the, the magnifying glass is put on that individual for two reasons, and it's the same reasons of any golfer. It's it's pace of play and it's course conditions. And I try and educate every member of Paragolf Canada that unfortunately they're going to be looked at as a under a magnifying glass and. They're groundbreaking. Everybody that's doing this, we're we're stepping on new ground and uncharted territory, and we have to be aware of those two things when they come onto the property. and And if they do are and are aware of those two things, and there's not an issue, there there's never been a problem with the golf course 
accepting individuals with disabilities. So to me, it's, it's, as I said before, it's changing the mindset of the individual of showing them that yes, they can play golf, but it's also now changing the mindset of the industry in just raising awareness and raising the profile on, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to, a person with a disability is in the same situation as an any able-bodied golfer out there, whether they're a brand new golfer or whether they're an experienced golfer. We have, you know, individuals that are being reintroduced to the sport all the way to individuals that are competing on a worldwide stage. So um, it's just raising the awareness not to be so focused on the disability, but rather the ability. Yeah, well said. Well said. Jeremy, I don't know if this has been necessary, but has there been steps that Bayview's taken to, you know, enhance the accessibility of your facilities and the services that you provide to to individuals of all abilities? Like, has that been something that's been required or necessary to be a part of this? Or um, has it something that you've decided to do for a specific reason? Like, maybe just dive into that a little bit for our audience and, you know, tell us what the implications of that might or might not have been. Uh, certainly, I'm. I'm actually very fortunate uh, here at Bayview, where I believe it was 2018. There was a, an extensive renovation done to the facility, uh, 10 plus million dollars, and it was through that renovation um, where uh, where all where all the initiatives, uh, the AODA compliance issues, and all all of those sort of things that that come along with that were addressed at that time. So um, I'm fortunate here where uh, there are there are not any issues that that had to dealt with. Now, really, it's about maintenance. It, and it's about being best in class. So it's great to, to meet the, the minimum standards or the standards as, as set out by, by uh, AODA and other things and other bodies such as that. But what's the next level? Uh, how can we get to best in class uh, versus versus you know just hitting? So you know I can say I've, I've been at I've been at facilities before where they may have been compliant uh, in terms of okay we have an elevator, uh, but in order to access that elevator. You know, you had to get all the way around back of the of the facility and come through the loading dock in order to get into the elevator, in order to get to to the lower floor. Um, um, here, you know, we're fortunate where where our elevator is is right off our main entrance and and has accessibility to all all floors and things like that. So, for sure, uh, there are some facilities um, at, that do have these challenges. Hey, we're dealing with uh, some some facilities that are 100 plus years old. Um, so so understandable, but. Uh, uh, um, fortunate where where right now we are more uh, in the maintenance mode and how do we get to best in class uh, versus addressing existing needs. Todd, is that something that comes up, I guess, in your work, you know, as you're looking at venues to host, uh, you know, events for Paragolf Canada? Is that something that club managers need to think about as they consider an opportunity or is it really something that's a nice to have, but it's not a, a must have? You know what? I, I, I come from both sides. You know, I've been in the golf industry for over 20 years, so I completely understand the side of the golf course. And, and to me, it's more on letting the para golfers know, the adaptive golfers know that, you know what, we're, we're breaking ground here. And if a golf course isn't a hundred percent accessible, you know what, let's, let's take it easy. Let's, let's, you know, if, if, if it means maybe not being able to be in the, in the dining area, but you can still use, you know, the patio and you can still use the snack bar, you know what, 
to me, it's about the golf course as opposed to the to the facility. Yes, you know, it would be great um, to have the washrooms and everything all on the same level. But really, the only individual that would really come into play would, would be individuals that's in a seated situation, somebody that's that's in a wheelchair situation. But I also let our golfers know that, you know what, just take it easy because some of these buildings are over 100 years old. So you might not have full accessibility. Um, you know, we had that when we had the Invictus Games here in Toronto in 2017, where, you know, the golf course was St. George's, phenomenal facility, but it was built a long time ago. And, and some of the uh, golf course wasn't uh, accessible for all the golfers. And, and we knew that going in and, and, and the golfers knew that. And they completely understood in the fact of, I think they're more excited about a golf course just being welcoming as opposed to being a hundred percent inclusive. No, well said for sure. Uh, Todd, Jeremy was talking a minute ago about just some of those inspiring moments that come from hosting these events, you know, inspiring moments for the the members of the club, for the team members that work there. Um, can you maybe just share a success story or two with us? You know, uh, you know, an inspiring moment that comes to mind for you that's resulted from the work of Paragolf Canada and, and just, and maybe how that's impacted in an individual that you've come across. And that could be one of the, the golfers playing in the event. It could be a member of a club. It could be a team member at a club. Just you'd love to hear a story or two that you might be able to share with us. Well, you know what? I'm blessed. People pay thousands of dollars to go see the likes of motivational speakers of like a Tony Robbins. And I'm living and breathing this every single day. And Absolutely. It is, it, it, it's powerful. It really is. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to share a story. You know, people might not know this individual's name, but they definitely know the story, especially in Canada. But a gentleman by the name of Ryan Stritznitsky. Now, Ryan was a humble Bronco survivor involved in that horrific budge crash. So he is heavily involved in sledge hockey. He played golf with his father and his grandfather growing up. And and unfortunately, due to the accident, he thought he would never be able to play the game of golf again. Um, I was flown out to Calgary to work with Ryan specifically um, with the partnerships that we have with, with Adidas. Um, within 10 minutes, I had him hitting the golf ball 140 yards out of his wheelchair. You know, he's an athlete. He, you know, yeah. he's a sport, he's hand-eye coordination, the strength that he has. He's completely embraced his situation a thousand percent and is running with it. So for him to be able to hit a golf ball, first of all, but hit a golf ball so successfully in such a short period of time where now he's running golf tournaments. He's hosting his own golf tournament with the Strass Foundation. He's fundraising, trying to get adaptive golf carts at facilities. Um, just an incredible story. Another one is I was working with a wounded veteran. I was working at a clinic with a, with a group of wounded military and there was a gentleman that was sitting in the back and he was in his wheelchair, but he wasn't embracing the the moment and he wasn't part of the clinic. And I knew, I knew there was something. And, and those are the toughest situations is we can all look at a leg amputee. We can look at an arm amputee. We can somebody see somebody in a wheelchair, but those invisible injuries are a little bit more challenging. And so at the end of the clinic, everybody left and, and he was still there. He was waiting for his wife to come and pick him up. He just wanted to get a feel of what the clinic was about. So I knew the situation he was in was in a wheelchair, so I pulled the wheelchair out, and and you know I, I travel around the world doing golf entertainment, doing trick shots. So my my hand eye coordination is pretty good, and I can emulate a lot of people's physical situations. 
So I was sitting in the wheelchair hitting golf balls, and and every time I would tee one up, I would look back, and I can see that the wheels were turning in his head. He was he was watching me. So about ten minutes came, and and he wheels down, and we start a conversation. And and as we're starting the conversation, I I know the his own personal ego is going, and I know he's like, man, I can do that. And so I'm still hitting balls, and. And after about 10 minutes of conversation with him, I said, are you ready to, to hit some shots? And he said, absolutely. And the same thing, you know, I got him hitting a ball about 80 yards off, off the tee. Then after about 10 minutes, I go, are you ready to go? And he goes, no, I'm having a great time. And I said, no, are you ready to go play? And his face just lit up. So it, it was it was the back end of, of the twilight time at the golf course. So we walked on to hole number one. I wheeled him out there. He hit a ball. I teed it up again. We hit a second shot down the fairway. He ended up playing the first hole. Then we came back to play the ninth hole. And as we're coming up the ninth hole, his wife was there. She saw us go out on the first tee, and he, she called two of his friends that lived close by that he used to play golf with. So here are three people. His wife, two other friends are in tears watching this guy play golf again. He looks up, and this is his this hardened hoorah soldier that you know is not supposed to show any emotion. He breaks down in tears by by looking at his wife and looking at his two friends. I turn into a blubbering <laughs> idiot as well too. But you know, allowing now now the guy plays golf all the time. He plays it from an adaptive situation. He goes out and you know he'll go out with four and a half hours with his friends, and he might hit ten shots, but. He's getting the social benefit that the game of golf brings. It's getting him a purpose to get out of the house. It's it's giving him the opportunities to have a sense of normalcy again. And that's that's what golf is doing, and that's what we're trying to do with Paragolf Canada. Well said. I mean, that's that's exactly it. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It certainly is. We'll get back to our conversation in a moment. But first, are you ready to learn from the world's greatest golf and hospitality industry leaders? Train your team and grow your business with a membership to Golf Industry Guru. Join for less than $3 per day and give your entire team access to over 150 hours of courses, podcasts, webinars, templates, articles, live Q&A calls, and more. Free content samples and registration details at golfindustryguru.com. You know, one of the goals, gentlemen, of a podcast oftentimes is to be entertaining. And, and certainly that's the case with with our podcast. But more importantly, we want to try and educate. That's really what Gig is all about is trying to help clubs and club managers and their teams, you know, improve their business and be better. And so, you know, Jeremy, from your experience at Bay- Bayview, what would your advice or recommendations be to club managers and their senior leadership team um, about you know, just when they go to look to create a more inclusive environment uh, at their club and promote golf to, to players of all abilities, like what would your advice or recommendations to them be as they consider this? Well, first and foremost, um, you need to partner yourself with this gentleman right here in Mr. Kirstead. And I mean, um, you know, you just told that story and, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I got a tear coming to my eye as, as you're talking about that, uh, you know, that gentleman playing holes one and nine and, and, and his wife and friends coming to see him, um, and yourself, right. I mean, 
you know, just to be, um, listen, I wasn't there. I wasn't, but just to be supportive, involved, anything that we can do with this organization, um, uh, and to know that this is what this gentleman is doing. This is what he, his passion is and what he does. Um, you know, I, first and foremost, you know, reach out to Todd and if you're not connected to him, get connected to him. Um, um, I've been fortunate enough to know him. I, I think we talked, talked about this a few years ago. I, I think I met him through an industry event and, and he was doing his thing on a tee and I was like, what is this guy? And, and doing all these different things and, and, you know, just one thing led to another and, and bumped into again and again. And, and, um, uh, and, and then finally, you know, to his, to his credit, hundred percent, he reached out to me and, uh, um, uh, in order to set this up and, and get the ball rolling here at Bayview. So, um, um, that would be my advice. Number one, uh, I think advice number two, um, I'm going to piggyback off of a bit of what, uh, Todd said. I think, I think you talked about fear of the unknown and, and, you know, that's part of, of the speech that you give to your athletes, uh, upon coming here. That's part of the same education on our end is is getting involved and 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 hosting these type of events and getting to know these athletes um, gets a bit of that fear of the unknown, whether it's stigmas or stereotypes or whatever it is, um, fear of the unknown. And and the more that uh, the more that we can have these events, the more that we can be more inclusive, the more that uh, whether it be playing a few holes or doing whatever it happens to be. Um, it's, it's how do we reduce that fear of the unknown? Because that exists, in my opinion, on both sides of the fence. Uh, it exists for the for um, the athletes as well as call it the host venues and and uh, whether it be the members, staff, or anything else. There is a bit of that on both sides, and it's and it's doing everything you can um, to reduce that. Awesome. Well said, Todd. What kind of partnerships or collaborations has? Paragolf Canada established with other clubs uh, or maybe other organizations that you know help promote the work that Paragolf Canada is doing and that helps promote inclusivity in in the game of golf. So I've come up with two very easy and simple programs for golf courses to embrace it. They're all looking, you know, DEI is the hot button topic right now, and there's a lot of individuals that are you know, sitting behind their desk, grasping these mission statements, but not really doing much for the game of golf. So I've tried to come up with two very easy programs. And the first one is, is what Jeremy did was, you know, being an outside of the box thinker, he embraced it immediately when he saw how easy it was. And that is hosting a Paragolf Canada day. And what that is, is literally picking one day out of the year, picking how many golf golfers, more uh, adaptive golfers, you can host at your facility. And to me, I asked Jeremy for, you know, a simple ask, can we get maybe four, six or eight adaptive golfers onto the property? He said, absolutely. From there, I asked Jeremy to pick, you know, he knows his memberships of who, what groups do you think would be welcoming to playing golf with these adaptive golfers? And from there, what we did was we just integrated a handful of golfers into an existing men's day. That was a huge success that the members afterwards, I was there on the golf course, the members, not only and Jeremy invited us after for dinner, but some of the members reached out to the players and said, anytime you want to come back, I will sponsor you to come back and play. It made that much of an impact. It's literally that easy is let's pick one day out of the year 
to get rid of all the stereotypes and stigmas, like, like Jeremy said, take a handful of golfers and just infuse them into an existing day. The second program is another simple program. Most golf clubs have junior camps throughout the summertime. And what we do is, again, one day out of the year or one day out of a week, whatever a golf club would like to do, we integrate a handful of adaptive golfers into a junior camp, whether it be on the driving range and they're chipping, pitching, full swing, or on the putting green playing, you know, putting games and that. But when a child, when an individual, when a junior sees a person with a disability walk up to the driving range, the first thing that child sees is the disability. But what happens after a couple of hours of that child spending time or those group of kids spending time with a handful of adaptive golfers, they don't see the disability anymore. They see a person. They see a golfer. So we're not only changing the mindset of the next generation, but we're also the parents are loving it because we're exposing kids to disability in a normal and fun way. And those are literally the two simplest programs that we could run with golf courses. And golf courses are starting to come out of the woodwork now going, how can we be a part of this? And it happened all because of the day that that Jeremy hosted this. And, And Jeremy has so many, his circle of influence in the golf industry is so big that they were like, Jeremy, what happened? Or you hosted this at Bayview. We want to be a part of it. I just had a golf course just come aboard with this just because of what Jeremy did. It's pretty it's pretty special and it's pretty powerful, but it, I tried to make it as simple and easy for the golf course as possible. If I could uh, just jump in real quick, Scott, and, and it's just a, a part of what, what Todd said, but going back to my previous answer to add one more thing, um, uh, us in the golf industry, um, especially leaders, um, we need to do, not just talk. Right. And, and Todd mentioned that right off the hop. So, uh, you know, uh, we always like to get in a room and, and talk about the issue and, oh, this is so great to do this. And, and we do a lot of talking and, and sometimes listen, due to, due to many reasons and circumstances, uh, this is not blaming anybody, but, um, sometimes we don't get to the action part. Sometimes we don't get to the doing part and, and, and I think that's what, when you say, Hey, Jeremy, what's the advice you have to give? It's, it's great to talk about it. Um, but if you, you really have to get to the action, you got to get to the doing and, and Todd, uh, as he just talked about his programs, it is so easy, yeah. um, to actually get to that doing part. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say, right? Make it, uh, make it easy to, to get to the doing part. And Todd's certainly doing that with the programs that he offers. So that's huge. Uh, Todd, I know that uh, you also had a recent partnership uh, added to your portfolio, if you will, with Golf Town. And I'm just curious a little bit about that. For those of uh, you in our audience who are from outside of Canada, Golf Town's a, a major golf retailer uh, here in the Canadian market. 47 stores, I believe it is. So yeah. they, they definitely have a big footprint. Just curious to learn a little bit more about that and, and share what you can uh, with our audience about your partnership with Golf Town. The partnership came about, they really wanted to, they really embrace diversity, equity, inclusion with um, their come out. They have a come out and play campaign and and it's an amazing campaign. And what we did was when we started talking, we reshot the commercial. um, And now there's individuals with disability that are part of this uh, commercial, but I'm not trying to run competitions. I don't want to get into the competitive side of adaptive golf. There's, there's associations and governing bodies that are doing 
a phenomenal job with that. You know, I want to give people the opportunity and I want to raise awareness. What we're doing with Golf Town is we've got four four pillars on the map for this year. And the first one is um, I just finished writing a adaptive fitting process that the master fitters at Golf Town can do when an individual that's in an adaptive situation, some of the, some of the, the nuances that they're going to experience when fitting a, an adaptive golfer. The second one is we are actually creating a, a golf town day, an adaptive golf town day where it's going to be similar to the women's golf day movement. We're doing something in Canada where it's just going to be an adaptive golf day. Um, the next one is we're going to be creating workshops. We're going to be going in stores to creating workshops where we're going to be educating the adaptive golfer, but more importantly, educating the, the PGA professional, the teaching professional, educating the, the healthcare worker, the, the family and friends and the caregivers on, again, some of the nuances that they need to be aware of when working with an individual of various abilities. Um, I'm not teaching people how to teach, but I'm teaching teachers on, hey, this is what you should be aware of when you're working with somebody that that has a leg that that's a leg amputee. This is what you should be considering when working with somebody that is has vision loss. This is something that you should be working with somebody that has post-traumatic stress. So it's just creating awareness and making it um, making them feel comfortable with working with individuals of various abilities. And the last one is we're actually creating a national adaptive golf league. And it is a participation league rather than a competitive league. So golfers will be able to accumulate points. And what we're going to do is if somebody goes plays golf, they're going to get points. If somebody goes into uh, a practice facility, a driving range, an indoor facility, they can accumulate points. If somebody goes into a golf town store, they get points. If somebody uses golf as a form of therapy or rehabilitation, they get points. If somebody refers somebody to the golf league, they get points. And we're going to be doing weekly random draws for prizing. And we've got some great prizing that the golf industry are supporting this. I know, you know, TaylorMade is donating two dozen golf balls a week. We have Good Life Gym that's that's giving away seven-day passes. A lot of people are jumping aboard with this. But what I want to do is I want to just give people the opportunity to come out and play. And it, as I said, there's there's incredible association and governing bodies that are running championships. But what we want to do is we want to do a 365-day initiative. Amazing. Those are those are some powerful things that you guys are doing together. And no doubt uh, their support is going to you know, move things forward in a big way you know, with the work the Para Golf Canada is doing. So that's awesome. Super excited to hear about that. Um, moving on a little bit here, gentlemen, Jeremy, as a club manager, you know, I, I feel like culture in a club has always been important. You know, the, the culture, you know, the member culture, the, the workplace culture for employees, you know, DEI is probably more on the forefront today as something that, that, uh, you know, club manager focusing on than ever before. Um, what are some practical steps that golf club leaders can take to, to create or foster a more inclusive and welcoming environment for, for individuals at their club? And, and maybe not just people with diverse golf abilities, but just in general, is there anything that you can maybe share, you know, the, the work that you're doing as a leader in our industry to, to, you know, promote a culture in your club that's, that's more diverse, more inclusive. Um, you know, is there, is there some, some guidance that you can share with you know club managers in the audience on that front. 
yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'll go back to my original, my previous point of, of uh, going beyond the talking stage and, and getting to some of the doing stage. Again, uh, we can put a lot of smart people in the room and we can talk about all these great ideas and, and uh, um, hey, can't wait to go to the moon, but someone's got to build a rocket ship. Right. So, um, uh, you know, so it, on that, I think it's here. Um, we have a, a baby is one of the larger clubs that I've been at. We have uh, just over 2,200 members. Uh, and, and you look at that community, you know, um, just by sheer numbers, we do have uh, a number within our community that, that are dealing with uh, disabilities and, and accessibility. Concerns. So um, already as, as, a, as a club, as a facility, um, you know, what programs do you have? And Todd just talked about 365 days a year. And I think that's, that's a mindset that we have to get into. It's not about just checking the box uh, and saying, okay, did it this one day and here we go, check the box, see you next year. Um, what are those things that you're doing uh, each and every day? Um, so we already have uh, programming uh, as, part of our, as part of our uh, health and wellness um, uh, facility here where uh, we do have uh, trainers uh, who, are, who are versed in the ways of, of training people with um, uh, disabilities and, and accessibility concerns. Um, even in our aquatics, uh, same kind of thing, as well as our fitness classes and things like that. So we have to start tailoring and, and making programming to ensure that uh, we are appealing uh, to, to that segment and, and, and that part of our membership. So um, I, I think you have to take a look holistically um, at, at your facility. I mean, people listening, some are going to be golf course only, some are going to be country clubs. Um, um, but it's all about whatever your activities are and whatever your facilities offer, um, um, make sure you have some form of programming uh, that fosters that inclusivity. And it could be in the social aspect. It could be in the, the sport aspect. Um, but just make sure that at some point in time, um, part of your programming uh, takes that into account. Um, uh, you know, from a, I guess from a membership side and things like that, um, you know, you're starting to get into governance and, and probably a conversation for another time as to how we continue to, um, uh, increase our, our diversity amongst our, our private club membership and, and our, and our sporting world overall. Um, but we have to make sure that, that those conversations are taking place. So, you know, Todd talked about it, uh, uh a little bit quickly about, you know, a bunch of people getting in a room and rewriting their, um, uh, their bylaws or, or some of their mission and vision statements, uh, to ensure we include, uh, DEI and everything else. And again, it's, it's, those are great steps to take. Um, but if they're just words on paper and you're not having any action items to back those up, um, I, I just don't know how much change, um, you're affecting, uh, with doing that. So it's, uh, it's ensuring that, uh, again, you're doing the proper steps, but you have you have some clear identified action items uh, that you're inputting in order to to make some change. Absolutely, well said, uh, gentlemen. As we kind of begin to uh, get to the end of our time together today, Todd, I just wanted to touch on future goals and aspirations for Paragolf Canada. Like, where do you see things going from here in terms of promoting, you know, this inclusivity message and you know, what are you looking at when it comes to expanding opportunities for, for individuals, uh, to participate in golf, uh, that, that don't, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe just aren't working with you today, but like, what does the future look like for you when you, when you think about Paragolf Canada? The future is incredibly bright and 
I'm saying that because I, I, ha- I did a study. So I took there, there, there are studies out there about disability and the numbers are staggering. So the population of Canada is over 35 million. 19% of Canadians suffer for some form of disability. That puts it out of just over six and a half million. 32% of disabled Canadians play golf before their disability. That's over 2 million people. That's huge. Only 10% of disabled Canadians are currently playing golf. So 22% of individual of disabled individuals played the game of golf but gave up the game of golf. The numbers are staggering. And, and when I look at that, I say it's a very, very bright future, but it also scares me on how am I going to handle that? That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the thing is, I think by creating this participation league where – you know, there's there's championships out there that are only 30 people are playing in it. You know, there was one that just happened this week, and it was their inaugural. 12 people played in it in a province. There's a lot more out there that are not playing competitive golf that might not know that it's available to them. So by creating, I try to do things as easy as possible, trying to do it as easy as possible for the for the golf courses and golf clubs to be involved, but also trying to do it as easy as possible for the individuals to participate. And I think with the voice and with the platform of, of golf town, it's going to raise the exposure. It's going to be through the roof. And I think it's, it's an incredible opportunity. I'm so very fortunate to have the largest golf retail brand store in Canada supporting this to be in the same breath as an ambassador of of Mike Weir, of Brooke Henderson, of of Lisa Volswick, who's doing some incredible stuff for women's golf, to be the ambassador for Golf Town for adaptive golf, it's it's going to put everything on a whole other level. Maybe a question for both of you. Uh, I'm curious about how this is good for business. You know, obviously the the business of a private club is different than the business of a high-end daily fee or a resort facility or a public golf course. But does one of you want to tackle that question a little bit and just share for our audience, you know, how this can be good for business at the club? It's, I think it's important for people to understand that it's not, you know, this isn't a charity that you're not giving up the golf course and, and it's, you know, obviously there's so much demand on the T sheet in this day and age, but, but I'd love just to touch on that a little bit and, and have our audience understand how this can be good for business going forward. I think the first thing is just the numbers that I talked about, you know, over 2 million people are interested in either learning to play or play the game. You know, if tapping into that, we want to talk about growing the game. You know, I look at it on why don't we take those individuals? I think that's the easiest demographic to get are the individuals that love the game of golf, but don't think they could ever play again. You know, they, they obviously love the sport. They, they love the support. They love the sport. They love the community of it. That's the easiest way to grow the game of golf. So on a numbers aspect, that's huge. But also a lot of individuals that are coming in in an adaptive situation aren't coming into a facility alone. Um, so they're bringing their friends in. They're playing. So now you're looking at F&B. Now you're looking the on a business sense, it only makes sense 
to create a welcoming environment to adaptive golfers. Of course, these people aren't just playing in the Paragolf Canada events. They're coming back to these clubs, and maybe there's some examples of where they're actually joining clubs. And so I think that's important for everyone out there to understand that, you know, there might be an untapped market here, right? That's exactly what it is, yeah. and that's how I look at it. And that's what I try to explain. It's an untapped market, but I think it's the, as I said, it's the easiest market to get because they already love the game of golf. You're not introducing somebody brand new to the sport. These people have have played the game of golf, and I look at it, the sport of golf was ripped from the hands and the lives of a lot of people because of whatever life circumstance came their way, whether it was a a car accident, whether it was a, a, a neurological issue, they don't think they can ever play a game again. And when you give them that hope, they're going to jump through hoops. The game of golf is literally saving people's lives. And I've experienced it firsthand. And, you know, I can go play golf. The three of us can go play golf tomorrow. But think about it. If the game of golf was ripped away from you, how would you feel? And to give somebody back that opportunity, it is powerful you know it's um it, it, I, f- I feel a bit um uh opportunistic maybe talking about the business of golf when todd just talked about how it's it's saving people's lives um and all i was going to add there is is you know at the end of the day um the more people we have involved in the game uh the better the business of golf is and and that's a simple equation and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if we are the, the, the beneficiaries of that. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, it doesn't matter who the beneficiary is. As long as there's more people involved in the game in any way, shape, or form, the business of golf in, in this country is better, plain and simple. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Jeremy, a minute ago, we were talking with Todd about the future. And so, you know, just from a club manager's perspective, I'm curious about you know, if you can maybe quantify for us what you think that the the changes or the the trends that you know we're going to see that you might be anticipating in the club industry, just as it relates to you know inclusivity um, in the club world. Uh, you know, I think I think we all know which direction it's going in, but maybe just from your perspective, you could share some thoughts and you know what you're what you're thinking we're going to see in the years to come. Um. Uh, I guess maybe I got I got two thoughts. One, um, uh, I'll I'll use the the parallel um, to to EDI um, to HR, and and if you think about the evolution of of HR in small to medium sized businesses, which obviously most of our clubs are, um, if you think about twenty years ago, ten years ago, very few uh, small to medium businesses had a dedicated HR professional on staff. Um, and if you just think about how HR has evolved, and I use the term, the tentacles of HR just keep continuing to grow and grow and grow, and the scope of HR just continues to grow. I mean, 10 years ago, HR was, you know, at best done by committee, um, you know, usually fell to the GM, maybe the controller or, or somebody else on staff. And uh, 20 years ago, it was, um, you know, somebody on staff, their cousin maybe worked in the HR department at some some place and so you use them. Um, um, and that's the analogy that I'll that I'll use with with inclusion. And and the tentacles of, of, of this are just gonna continue to grow and grow and evolve and go. Um, I'm going to use myself, uh, you know, as the example here. Um, I thought back uh, of a story um, ten years ago, maybe a little bit more. But uh, do, 
some gentlemen remember, um, you know, in, in my in the private club world, Golf Channel's always on, and and whether it was a segment or a commercial, or I can't remember what it was, but. Um, uh, it was a modified golf cart that came out and, and allowed the person to kind of turn and, and hit and, and then go. And this, this modified golf cart, um, uh, was going to, was probably one of the first steps to help revolutionize, um, uh, people with disabilities, uh, to play the game. And, and this segment was always on and I can remember, you know, being at a table with some members and, and, uh, you know, uh, first saying, oh, can't use that on the golf course. You can't take that across the greens. It's going to ruin the greens, or it's going to ruin this, or it's going to ruin the bunkers. And and I'm talking. This is ten, maybe twelve years ago. And you know, probably someone at the table said, "Well, you know, if we have a person that has uh, needs to use it, you know, we're going to have to do it." And you know, everyone else at the table would have shouted, well, "We're a private club, and you know, we make the rules, and that person won't play here," kind of thing. And you know, as myself involved in that conversation, um, that was, I probably walked away. I, I, I probably didn't add to that conversation in any way, shape or form. You know, you now fast forward to today. Um, and if, and if I'm that same person having that conversation, um, how much more I'm going to contribute and educate, uh, that person as to no, this is actually the road that we're going to go down. And totally. these are the things that we're going to do in order to help accommodate that person so they can get out here. Just as we talked about, the more people we can get involved in the game, the more people we can get out here. And so I think about, you know, um, myself as, as, a, as a club manager 10, 15 years ago and the conversations I would have had then um, and the conversations that I'm having now. And, and I think that just speaks to your growth and your evolution and everything else. So, um, I have to believe that, that there are a number of my peers uh, who are in that same boat, in that same situation, um, that, yeah, likely them 10 years ago, they probably wouldn't have added much to that conversation and, and how we would have educated and, and, and informed our membership. Um, we're not asking. We're telling you how this is going to go um, because that's how important it is. Yeah, I love how things have changed. And, of course, you know, 10 years ago, how ridiculous – of a comment, right? The triplex can go across the green or T deck without making any damage. So why couldn't that vehicle, right? It's no different, but, uh, no, I agree with you. I think things are trending in the right direction. I, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of clubs now that, you know, I think there's a new person on the senior leadership team that maybe wasn't at a club 10 years ago, you know, a, a director of people for lack of a better term. You know, every club has a different title for it, but you're starting to see that more and more often, you know, clubs that we work with where we're meeting people in that role. And I think that's a, a great step towards, you know, creating an environment that's more, you know, inclusive at a club because we've got somebody there with expertise in that field that's focusing on that. And, you know, obviously with the team members, with the staff at the club, but I'm hopeful that that's trickling through to the membership as well. So you know, it's, it's encouraging time for sure. Todd, you talked a lot about programming and such, you know, a few minutes ago, but is there any other resources or support that Paragolf Canada can provide to club managers who are, you know, interested in implementing more inclusive practices and programs at their clubs? Is there, is there anything there that you can help with? We're working on that right now where um, I'm developing programs on almost like a guide to, um, it's, it's taking time, but we're getting it out there. But I think the first step, as, as Jeremy said, is just, you know, the fear of the unknown and getting over that. And, and it could just be one person coming to your golf club and, and seeing that, yeah, this is a golfer. 
It doesn't have to be a disabled golfer. It doesn't have to be an adaptive golfer. They're a golfer. And, and once that first person walks through the door and once that first person has an incredible experience and you witness that incredible experience and there was no negative repercussions back to the golf course of pace of play and course conditions, I think the mind will automatically turn for the individual and for the golf club right there. Well said. Uh, gentlemen, we're, we're getting near the end. One last question for you, you know, as we wrap up here today for both of you, is there any sort of message or, you know, final message or call to action for club managers out there or other industry leaders who might be listening just when it comes to embracing and inclusivity, um, you know, is there anything that you'd like to, to share any, any parting thoughts? I think what Jeremy said is, is, and, and what I said, you know, everybody's checking the boxes, everybody's changing their websites, everybody's putting mission statements and values together, but let's do something. Let's actually do something about it and make, make a difference and make it happen. Whether it's, you know, through Paragolf Canada, whether it's through another governing body, just make golf accessible and, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. Don't be afraid to get involved. I just said, get involved in some way, shape or form. Awesome. I love it guys. Uh, you know, as we wrap up here today, I just wanted to thank you both so much for your time. Uh, I know you're both very, very busy. So to be able to carve out an hour in your schedule to, to come on with us today means a lot to me. I think that, um, I think that it's an exciting time for our industry when it comes to, uh, you know, things like this. And, and the two of you are just shining examples of, of, you know, what we can do to make our clubs more, you know, inclusive and, and open to all. And, and, um, you know, it seems to me, it's quite obvious that embracing inclusivity in 2023 is, is, you know, not only is it the right thing to do ethically, but it's the, the, you know, it just brings so many benefits to the club. And so, you know, creating that inclusive environment that, that clubs uh, are hopefully doing more and more these days. It's just going to, you know, it's going to attract a more diverse membership. It's going to enhance the club culture for members and the workplace culture for team members. And, you know, just, I think, align clubs more with, you know, what those expectations of our society are here in this day and age. So, you know, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, it means a lot to be able to talk about the the message uh, today, you know, Paragolf Canada, the work that you're doing, I, I, I love that we're able to share that with our Gig Nation audience. And, you know, from a club manager's perspective, Jeremy, just thank you for your sharing, you know, your insights and your thoughts and, you know, the work that you're doing at, at Bayview with, with everyone here uh, on the Gig Podcast. So once again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining, joining us today on the Gig Podcast. And uh, we like to say here at Golf Industry Guru, we'll see you on the inside. Thanks for listening to The Gig Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and mostly that you learned a few things that will help you improve your business. Join us next time as we continue to bring you the best and brightest golf and hospitality leaders on the planet. Thanks for listening.